Good evening and you're very welcome back to episode five of season three of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm Raffi Early and of course joining me once again for a chat is Aaron Clark. We're going to be talking all things League of Ireland Women's Premier Division over the next hour or so. And of course uh, we'll also be joined by Billy Cleary in just a couple of moments. Former Galway Women's FC Manager, now Supremo at Galway or sorry, the University of Galway, I should say. It's their brand-new uh, moniker this year, but a uh, brand-new look as well to the women's soccer team there. InterVarsity champions, as of yesterday, we'll be chatting to Billy about that success. And I suppose maybe about the secrets, uh, what have gone into making that happen as well. But first and, first and foremost, Aaron, um, how have you been for the last week? Been good, been good. Um, really enjoyed the football last weekend. Uh, got, I think anybody who watched TJ Carr got a nice, thrilling game of football Um yeah, it's been good uh, watching the Irish team last night. Obviously, that's why we didn't go as our normal Wednesday night, just because the fact that Ireland were playing Lafayette. So, but yeah, no, good. Looking forward to looking forward to this. Billy's always been somebody who I've had a lot of time for, a lot of admiration for. So I'm looking forward to picking his brain and and le- learning more about the whole college structures and stuff like that. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, well, well known to myself in the last uh, decade or so, or fifteen years or so, with the colleges scene as well. So nice to kind of drop back into that world. Uh, first and foremost, let's talk about the Shells Shamrock Rovers game because I know you were at it at the weekend. Did it live up to its expectations? To be honest with you, it probably blew them out of the water for me. I I didn't know what what to expect. I did didn't know what we get from Rovers. Didn't know what we get from Shells. I sort of said last week that I wasn't sure if it was Shells are very good or the two teams they play were, weren't great. But it was a superb game of football, and for the fact it was only one all was was even mad. Jamie Thompson was superb from a Shamrock Rovers point of view. Anya Gorman took her goal very well. Alex Kavanagh, unbelievable in the middle of the park for Shell. Same with Rachel Graham, and it was just one of them games that we learned so much from both teams, what they're about, what their capabilities are. I think we've learned a little bit about where Rovers' potential is because at times they show glimpses of absolute superbness, and it's something that I think we we will definitely. Be keeping a close eye on, but it felt like a, for me, it was the first time in a long time, it felt like a real League of Ireland derby. I haven't really got that before in a women's game, and it really felt like that. The crunch and tackles were going in, the crowds on both sides were getting were getting involved with it, and it's just one of them that was a truly enjoyable spectacle for the six seven six seven six fans who were in Tonka Park. Yeah, we might have a chat a bit more about that. And, of course, all the other games from the weekend later in the show. But first of all, let's bring in our guest for tonight. Uh, That is, of course, former Galway Women's FC manager, Billy Cleary. Billy, first of all, uh, as the the boss of the Galway, University of Galway, I'm going to keep getting that wrong forever, but the (laughs) University of Galway, um, InterVarsity Champions yesterday, 2-0 victors over my old alma mater, DCU. Um, you got to be happy with how the season has finished up for you on the intervarsity stage. Yeah, thanks a million for having me on, lads. Yeah, it was great, obviously, to to have a, a winning um, end to the season, you know, and there was a lot of hard work put in by the girls over the course of the year. So, yeah, delighted to obviously have a successful outcome to the season and um, the girls are delighted, you know, to have a great bunch of girls. So it's... Uh, onwards and upwards and hopefully for the university talk to us about that bunch of girls because you look at it it star-studded so many ex-irish underage internationals as well playing for billion it must be just a joy when you rock up the train and see so many top class players yeah but but like that um Arden, like just to be honest we don't have we don't actually train all that often you know but when we do get together everyone is there because look there's a there's a balance when you're doing um third level football you know and how many training sessions they're all training with the women's national league clubs 
And in my case, obviously, um, Tommy down at loan, Phil and Galway here, you know, the guys have already understanding and you're communicating with them and letting them know what's happening. And when the fixtures are on and like the girls are, the majority of them are on scholarship down here. So that they have, um, they have obligations to, to play for the university and represent the university. But, um, but yeah, look, and it's not only the girls playing women's national league, Ireland, everyone might say them, look, we've, couple of girls from Donegal there like Molly Page, Ashley Irvin, like girls that sort of came under the radar in the underage with Donegal and they're down in Galway in college here and they have huge potential but I suppose they just haven't been exposed to or it wasn't there in Donegal at the time for them to play at a higher level but they're more than capable and if they're in the environment it'll help them develop and improve them. Of course, uh, we, without putting specific names on it, it is very much a, a, a League of Ireland team, uh, the, the kind of the cream of the crop from a couple of clubs that Lonely mentioned there, have a few teams in there, uh, Galway as well. Emily Corbett's moved mid-season from your point of view to Wexford. Um, let's talk about that one for a minute because obviously she was um, in Athlone, obviously Leash native, but now playing at Wexford. Does that mean you see less of her when she's travelling to training there or how do you manage that one? No, I, like Emily hasn't been with it. Emily is actually deferred college for the year. She, um, you know, I think she just uh, made a career choice. As opposed well. to something, um, I don't think she was getting on well with the course, and just uh, and that happens with a, a number of um, people through university. I've seen it back to the years where you start a course, it's not what you thought it was, and um, yeah, you just defer the year and reevaluate where you're at with your university but emily's was great girl she was with us in semester one great time for you know wish wish her the very best you know what she's gonna act going forward we spoke to abigail renane it was earlier this season or said on the last and she was talking about college stuff with yourself and like talk to us a little bit more about that sort of you know the balance the striking the balance because on one side, you want you have players who are on scholarships who are there to play for the college, but on the other side, you see them playing week in, week out in the National League. Talks about how you strike that balance between how often you train or how, you know how much they play. Yeah, well, how much they play was based Aaron, on the fixture list that you have with the university, you know, and it's it's I'm lucky enough. All the girls want to play because they're having a good time. They enjoy it. Um, I think the overall feeling I get from all the group of players I have is they have great pride in playing with the university and playing with each other. So if a case, if they can't make training, if there's a problem, if they're an assignment or an assessment, it's, it's no problem. can't make training, you can't make training. That's, that's fine. You know, like striking that balance is, uh, is huge. And uh, like I was saying to you off here, you know, earlier, like sport is something you do. It's not who you are. You know, so these girls, unfortunately, are they going to be able to, or in a position to make a full-time livelihood or living out of, you know, playing soccer? Uh, please God, a few will, but not all. So their um, their education is uh, the importance first, sport is secondary, you know, so that's that's the way I look, at, look on it. Speaking of the, the kind of the enjoying playing with each other, obviously these girls might play with each other on a Wednesday, but they could be facing off against each other on a Saturday. Um, what's the banter like around those fixtures, particularly the number of girls who've played for both or other of the clubs, uh, Galway and Athlone specifically I'm talking about? Yeah, look, we'll find out in a couple of weeks because they're playing midweek on a Wednesday, so it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, look, look, I think 
the goal because it is predominantly Galway and Athlone. Look, there's a, there's great banter between them all. But I think first and foremost, they're all friends on and off the park, and I think that sort of stems back from a lot of them which um, involved with the underage international teams. They all know each other, so I don't think it's a the and the massive rivalry until it's match day and they show up against each other and they're. Uh, one or two of them are trying to wind each other up because they know each other's personalities and traits. You know, well, the girls know who I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, I think we yeah. do too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um, but it is. It's it's a unique area, and, uh, and it goes back to a sort of years ago where it was my first job. Her coaching job was involved actually at university level with the the men's soccer club in the university. And that's what it's all about, you know, the camaraderie, the friendships they build, you know, the networking they do between each other. Um, they're making lifelong friends and opportunities. But it's, uh, I don't think there's that uh, fierce rivalry uh, between each other until the, it's match day. And they're, obviously, they're all competitive. They're all elite athletes and they all want to win. That's When you're at that level, that's they want they're winners and they want to win. I don't think we'd be seeing any Katie McCabe and uh, Daniel van der Donks as we did when Ireland played Holland in Tallaght Stadium. I don't think we'd see any of them from the players. But in terms of like the the overall Billy with the with with the girls, like most of them will probably travel. Like you'll see some of them travel to away. So like to say, even that game next Wednesday, if they're in college, they may even travel together to that game because of the fact of the friendships. And that's the sort of thing that I think the the, the women's league has a bit of uniqueness that. Yes, you'll go out on the pitch. You might want to take each other out, but when when you when you leave the pitch, it's it's a completely different environment. than maybe a lot of people are used to. It's there's a lot of the social aspect to it as well. Do you think over the years we'll see that start to maybe come out in the league a little bit more as the professionalism continues to rise? Look, there's no doubt that I think it will. But at the moment, I know we all throw the word professionalism around, and it's a professional league and there's professional status and. But, but in reality, it's not really. It's look, it's semi-professional. It's players getting their expenses. If you were to turn around to anyone in the FAI, or how many professional players are playing in the League of Ireland? I, I doubt you could actually count them on one hand. So this whole conversation about oh, the league is professional is absolute rubbish, in my view. You know, the players are getting their expenses. You know, they might be getting a few quid here and there, but that's about it. You know, so it's a case. There's a lot of um, professional going around the league with the likes of the work you guys are doing with social media and making the game more um, reachable to the public and keeping the public updated with the players and uh, the off-field stuff, the the interviews you've done with them. You know, but you know, it's it's it needs to go to the next level. The players need to be properly remunerated but when you go down that road as well the commitment levels of a lot of the players has to go up that's the big thing that i find you know like um if i'm a coach or a manager and there's a player getting x amount per week and if they're giving me a bs excuse why they're missing training you know then then you have issues so we all want the game to improve we all wanted to go to the next level. We all wanted to be more professional. But with that comes, you know, accountability, you know, commitment levels really have to go through the roof if you want to be at the upper tier of the table. In terms 
let's say hypothetically the FAI come to you, Eileen Gleason comes down as a, in her new role as director of women's football and, and seeks your advice. What steps do you think the FAI can make uh, based on, on this kind of re- relatively short notice move to professionalism over the winter? Where do you think the FAI needs to go? Because it's, it's so easy just to say put money in. But we've all seen money go into various projects in the League of Ireland and Irish football and nothing to show for it five or ten years later. Where do you see the best value for money or the best value for investment or the key areas that we can actually look at uh, as a collective to try and grow the game to where you're talking about? Well, I've actually invited Vera Powell and her and the previous manager, Colin Bell, down to the University of Galway to meet with the director of sports in the college about a program that we're or a vision that we have trying to make like elite hubs around the country within university settings because as you said, the vast majority of our starting 11 are all Irish under 19 or ex under 19 internationals. You look through the University of um, Maynooth as well, same thing, John Cork, same thing, Limerick, same thing. You know, so we have a situation now where organically the quality of player going into the university setting is growing and is getting better. Um, we have a case where we've players been dragged halfway around the country up to home-based training sessions on a Wednesday night being asked to leave university school you know for what I don't know um you know you could easily uh, as I say you go back into it like the vast majority of the players now that are last year's group of under 19 internationals there are a handful of them that are up at the home-based training sessions that they're forgotten girls just you know they, they were highly motivated from the age of 16, 17, 19, because they were involved in Irish international squads. Between the years of 19 and 23, there's very few of them that are going to be able to step up and make that step up to senior international players because of just pure uh, maturation. They're not fully physically developed. They haven't uh, have been exposed to the amount of games to give them the experience to be in the match, different match situations or scenarios to be able to do that and it just so happens that that age cohort 19 to 23 is the university years so i would say for developing that group of players the 19 to 23 an irish university international team is a must but if it was a case of you have your home base squad and you pick an irish university international squad to play against them every month or every quarter it would be mutually beneficial because the, there's a high standard of player within the university. Like you, you look at like obviously Aaron McLaughlin, Becky Watkins, Carol McManus, all in in, uh, in Minute. You come back to like you, you mentioned Durbla Byrne, Jenna Slattery, Gillian Keegan, all Limerick, ourselves. You know, that we're missing we're missing a trick here, and it's it's only going to get the quality is only going to improve in all the universities in the next year and two years because of the introduction of the under 17 and under 19 league of ireland so now every year every university in ireland are recruiting a far better quality of player to come into the university system but there so, always has been sorry to call possibility but there always has been i've been to myself world university games competitions that football no longer part of that program it's it's been moved to its own standalone World Cup status taking place in China in October, November this year. Um, Ireland have always participated in that with reasonable success, definitely on the women's side, more so than the men 
over the years, fourth twice, I think, uh, definitely in 07 under Noel King. And I, I believe uh, uh, they finished fourth in more recent years as well. Mm -hmm. I don't know off the top of my head what year that was. But but have Ireland got plans to put a team in that? Uh, excuse my ignorance. I'm not, I haven't quite kept up on it. Yeah. They actually they finished fourth in 2019 and they're within, within uh, I think it was seven minutes of getting a bronze medal. That the world, you know, the world student games, which was an unbelievable. They actually, I think they defeated Korea and China and Brazil along the way. And again, as a coach and someone who was involved with um, with Galway Women's FC at the time, we had actually five players involved in that squad. You know, so it was actually one of the. I was I've said it before. It was one of the highlights of uh, my time involved in the Women's National League. The fact that we had five players. Uh, elite from native Alva Clancy being, being one of them five um, breathing. so it's I've look I, I've been involved in conversations where it's been said that, that that is a possibility and they're hoping to do that in the coming year but again that's coming from sources within the the university circle you know it's this should be driven by the FAI you know th this this is something that they need to really take hold of that you look at Last year's Irish under-19 international team, I'd say at least 60%, 70% of them are in university now. Them girls should have an opportunity or should be given the opportunity to develop and grow. Yeah. Uh, there is, is a long-standing political issue there. Uh, just for listeners who might be listening to this, there is another entity, Student Sport Ireland, that looks after, it officially looks after that team. And it does cross both jurisdictions, IFA, FA Ireland, it's always been one of those kind of sticking points. Um, so hopefully hopefully we won't see an Irish team miss out. I'd expect there to be Irish representation at that level. I have one, uh, I have a couple of things on this, right? I called about six years ago, I called for at least if we, an under-23s international team. Like for me, I watch on with envy every World Cup window. Uh, not every World Cup, every international window. When I look at the England squads being announced, they announced, most of the times they nearly announce a B squad to go play games. They nearly announced an under three, an under twenty three squad to go and play games somewhere else, and you're just thinking at the moment we're just losing so many players off out of that puddle pool of players who are just either going playing different sports, going doing something else because they, as as Billy said, a lot of the times the drive can be gone because they see, oh, I'm not going to get into that international window, but there's no bridging between the. 19s and the seniors whereas i think if we can't have a colleges under 23s it has to be at least an, an irish under 23s and have them regular games with the home base have the regular internationals even if it's a home behind closed doors internationals give these players that bit of exposure that bit of growth but there's another thing for me on my on on billy's point about the hubs the thing about the hubs is if you have top class coaches in these hubs and you have maybe four or five hubs around the country you don't necessarily need to drag these players to Dublin all the time for home-based training. You can have a home-based session in these hubs where you bring the players from the local clubs into one of these hubs, or even if you have it in, say, two or three hubs, if you want to narrow it down slightly, and then you can have top-class coaches there where you can actually allow the players to go and, and, and get better quality time. Like, if you look at a player from Cork coming up to Dublin on a Wednesday night for a home-based session, they're going to get caught in the traffic in coming up to Dublin. They're going to get potentially caught in traffic leaving Cork. By the time they go home, it's mid, it's it's probably midnight. And some of these players, I don't mean to sound bad, they may not have a chance of getting into a, into a senior squad, but yet they're being dragged up. Whereas if we had something where we could develop, even if it's a regional colleges tournament as well, where a provincial thing as well, like back in and, and actually give the opportunity for these players to be showcased because we've so much great talent in the country that 
your biggest fear is we're going to lose it. And like, I'm not 100% sure how much of an impact the World Cup is actually going to have on the National League going forward. That's a concern for me because I should have a massive exposure. And I'm not convinced it will. Yes, there's a lot of things happening off the field, but on the field, there's a lot more that does need to be done. Yeah, as someone who coached Leinster, sorry, Billy, we're having a conversation over here, but as someone who coached that Leinster Colleges into provincial side for 10 years, from about 06 to 13, 14, it was 10 seasons in all. Um, some of the players that came through that, we had squads with just that half of them have gone on to play professionally, you know, and uh, I think one game I remember we won, I think that was a, a non-event in, in, in some respects, 17-0, we took off Louise Quinn, uh, Stephanie Roach and Onya, O'Gorman at half time, and uh, that was only 6 0. And this test team that came on, packed full of other players who've gone on to play international f- football and other codes, the likes of Hannah Terrell got a hat trick in that game coming on at half time. So, has uh, gone on to play rugby for Ireland, Gaelic football for Dublin. And, and so, and the players are there, but the structures need to be around it. Uh, Billy, sorry, we, we've kind of asked you a question and answered it ourselves. Let's yeah, maybe but- go back a bit and uh, speak about Galway's success this year. and Talk to us about how that actual uh, success has come about. What were the, the building blocks that have been put in place over the last couple of seasons to, to allow you to generate that kind of a squad and to have that kind of uh, talent available to you? Oh, look, it's just happened organically. You know, Brefna, to, to be honest, look, this is the core group of um, the players we have in the university are obviously Galway-based or they're from the west of Ireland region or the catchment area. So, like, we'd have the vast majority of um, the girls are... Uh, Galway based on scholarship here. Then we obviously have Merton Devaney, Leitrim, the west of Ireland. We have Lucy Jane, um, Grant Athlone area, um, uh, Leah Brady, Gal- she's ex Galway, but she's Kevin. And so a lot of the girls, you know, true to their, their academic aspirations, I suppose, you know, within the university, is, there's, there's four different colleges. You know, you have your College of Arts, your College of Business, your College of Science, your College of Medicine. So it's it's down to the girls' academic aspirations and what they want to do. And if 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 any of them um, colleges are for you, if that's your your choice of academic career, it's a good place to come because first and foremost, we have the core group of a nucleus of you know fifteen, sixteen really good players, and it's really uh, important that you have a core group of quality players because the standard is is high auto- automatically. So hopefully every year you're trying to recruit two or three more because you're going to lose two or three every year. But it, but like back to your sort of question, how did it happen? It's it happened all on its own, really, you know. And it goes back to the 17s league, the 19s league. We a, a core group of players who were exposed to playing women's national league at an early age. The likes of your Therese Canibes, your Shauna Brennan's, you know. They were 17 and they were starting every game and they're 20 now and they've got an awful lot more experience and awful lot more growth they, you have the same with your chloe singletons and again we, we had a number of players who came into first year like you mentioned emily earlier on we had um an emily it just wasn't for her in galway she decided to take a different path we also had the likes of Sive doyle who was here and Sive done first year here and she wanted to move on and do a different course you know in, in trinity that was her, her career path what she chose to do which is and we would never try and discourage or push anyone away from what they want to do because 
Ashley Meany the same way first year here. She went off and explored different opportunities in, in America. So you're always going to have that turnover player. But it's back to the the student or the, the athlete or whatever. It's sport is something you know you do. It's not who you are. And I find um, we have now because people are getting pigeonholed into being soccer players and all of a sudden everyone in the country now is doing a sports course or a nutrition course or an athletic therapy course or everything is sports related rather than doing what they really want to do and I think a lot of it for every player out there they need to you know research and time is your is your friend you know your career guidance teacher in your school is your friend and Go and find out what your passions are, what you're good at, what you're interested in, and then make your academic decisions based on that rather than your soccer. Do you know what's funny? Just on that, Billy, do you know what's funny? I actually run a sports course, and I don't use it. Don't use it at all. I have an honours degree, don't use it. Completely different career path. And it was sort of, it was one of them that I I wanted a degree. Whereas 100%, I'm I'm with you 100%, because the thing is, Sport can sport can do you great, but it can also on the other side if it doesn't work out for you, it can be one of the most cruel things in the world. So that's why I think when we look at the college system at the moment, and I think the fact that the likes of the likes of Galway, the likes of UCC, and these sort of colleges, they try to push on what's best for you. They don't try to push on just it has to be sports because I think that's important to a, a soccer player. Yes, you might make it abroad. You might not make it abroad and you might have to fall back on your education. I think Amber Barrett is probably the prime example. Yeah. Went and done her, 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 her master's in, in Trinity and DCU after finishing in, in Minute and it's it's in teach. She was doing teaching. So she, she's a, a career to fall back on if, if football doesn't go that way. Whereas I think if, you, if you're hell-bent on going sports route, you need to be extremely careful and make sure you have a a direct single route to where you want to go to because it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, but uh, that, brings again, me, that, that, that brings me nicely. Sorry, Billy, we are running out of time. That brings yeah. me nicely to actually uh, what Billy does offer down there as part of the soccer program and a whole session. This session, I think, was happened back in January, Billy, but I'm sure you'd be quite happy to chat to anybody uh, who is interested, maybe a leaving cert student or a fifth year student who might have Galway on their mind might have a bit of football on their mind while they're studying down there uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you yeah if they contact the instagram page the twitter page or anything like that um they can just get in touch with us drop us a line and um, be happy to talk to anyone who needs any information you know but the only thing i'd say again lads is everybody thinks of you know scholarships money and it's not about money it's about the support structures that each university can put in place and we all can do more or less the same you know you you get your subsistence grant your coaching your monitoring strength and conditioning access to gyms all that sort of stuff is there but if it's a lot of people make their decisions on where we're going to do academically and also in relation to you know what what facilities are there and available and what clubs are within the catchment area of the university like in our case it's Galway and Athlone because Athlone is 45 minutes up the motorway 40 minutes you know so um it's a great opportunity for people but it's uh, i wouldn't be picking any academic course or i wouldn't be trying to sell any scholarship scheme to any student if we um the university of galway doesn't have the course that's for them it's something that it's academic first it's sport second and that's the 
that's the model we we, we try and um, we try and use down here for for the women's soccer program. So it, it's and when they come down here, it's a good environment. I think. Um, Thanks for joining us, Billy. Uh, someone who was on the losing side uh, on the in the dugout on uh, InterVarsity's final. Congratulations on uh, on getting that little trophy back with you. Not a little trophy; it's a decent trophy. Uh, back to Galway last night, and uh, very good win over DCU yesterday. Two 0 the goals, of course. Just to give them the credit. Uh, Miranda Vanny and Rose O'Flaherty uh, got or L L L Rose O'Flaherty. What she goes? Ellie Rose or L? I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, but listen, congratulations and uh, best of luck for recruitment over the next couple of months and into the 23-24 season. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Billy. Billy Cleary there. Um, Aaron, it's it's great to see somebody come in with a plan and to actually allow um, a, a programme to develop organically and in the right manner and properly supported and properly resourced in terms of having um, coaching staff who know what they're talking about at that level. Oh, 100%. Well, I could listen to Billy Cleary talk all day because I actually think he's his ideas to burn. And the funny thing is, he mentioned about like coaching plans and stuff like that that he want to bring in and go. Like, I've spoke to him at times about how he what he wants to do and how he wants to grow the likes of the college scene. And I think for me, having people like that with so much National League experience, having played in the, in the League of Ireland as well, in the men's side of things, come in and coach, and that's a, it's, it's a great environment for them to come in. But I think we need to do more for for our college system, and it shouldn't be seen as a just a second a secondary you know push off to the side. Like look how well UCD doing the men's compared to then they bring the players into the first division side, the Premier Division side. I love that. I think UCD adds so much to the League of Ireland, and I think from a, a college point of view, we could have so much more. There's there's no reason why we can't have a closer knit ties across the board, and I think it's it's something that hopefully we will see as the league continues to to push on because you can't just expect everything to be just throwing money and there has to be other ideas and other things that are brought into it to actually help it grow. And I think Vera Powell wouldn't would 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 wouldn't wouldn't do a miss if she if she went to Galway and sat with Billy and the the sports director in Galway just to have a have a have a listen to the plan because I'm sure there's ideas the FAI could take away and help to implement. Yeah, that would be an interesting proposition. Will we see it happening? Who knows? I think she might have other ideas on her hands over the next few months. In terms of the actual results from last weekend, though, let's maybe rewind the clock a little bit and talk about those games. Um, we might start in Galway. Uh, Bowes, the first game of the weekend, Bowes uh, came down. There's been a lot of 1-0s in Galway's three games so far. 1-1, lost two, all by the same scoreline. It's getting a bit like Arsenal at the moment. Sarah Rowe did get off the mark, though, just before halftime, scored the only goal of the game. And Bowes took all three points back up the end six. Um, both to be happy enough with that, I'd imagine. Yeah, but come on, I I could Sarah Rowe really say she knew an awful lot about that. Just the hit offer from an, an Abigail Renan clearance, it was sort of one of them that it can go absolutely anywhere. And unfortunately for the goalkeeper, it's built in you know, in, into the net. Yeah, both to be happy. It's a, it's another win from its two wins out of three. It's a bounce back off the loss to Shells, where it was probably the most comfortable Shells looked against them. So good three points for them, especially considering considering the week they would had with. With the stuff that was happening in, in the in the game with Shell. So it's a good one just to move park up, park the bus, move behind and walk away with three points from a Galway point of view. As you say, not a lot of goals going in either end. Phil Trill, maybe he'd be he'd be, he'd be happy in a, in a sense that yes, the defence is quite good. It was just a it was an innocuous clearance that, that cost him a goal. But other than that, they're defending quite well at the minute and they're just not putting the ball in the net as much as you'd like. 
in terms of uh, the next fixture on my list, Steeler Waves 3, Cork City nil, uh, 2-0 nil up after less than 10 minutes. Uh, you kind of thought maybe the way those two teams have been set up over the last year or two, that that might have opened the floodgates. I suppose Cork would be quite happy from 2-0 down to maybe only have conceded one more in the, in the rest of the, the 98 minutes. It was a lovely strike. Joy Ravskall was, super, was a superb strike for them from distance. But when you see 2-0 after 9 minutes, you start thinking, oh, no. The floodgates are going to open here for Cork, and I think from a, from their point of view, the fact that it didn't and it only finished three 0 it's probably a bit of a positive. But they haven't they haven't really looked that impressive in their opening in their opening game so far. And they've a game they've uh, no game this weekend now with the with the extra game being caught being called off and being rescheduled. So they've now a bit of a wait until they play Treaty in the midweek games. So for them, it's probably a bit of a an opportunity to maybe do a little bit of work. The co- the college season is over, so Danny may, Danny may have all his players there and available. Where some might have been playing a bit of college football midweek, and I think from from their point of view, it's it's been a really difficult start to the season from DLR Waves. A good way to bounce back after losing late on to Piedmont the week previous, and it's a, a first home win for DLR with a, with another big game coming up this week. Yeah, speaking of uh, big games at Lone Town, made the journey down to Treaty. You'd kind of think maybe they had one eye on the Interversities this week, but no, 8-0 the final score. I know we spoke to Alvin last week, and he seemed relatively confident that they put a performance. Um, it's hard to see any positives in this for Treaty. Absolutely. It's it's a, it's a really, really tough one to take. And unfortunately, the fixtures don't get really much easier for them as well. So it's just going to be a case that they could ship a lot of goals. They could unfortunately ship a lot of goals early on. Madison Gibson, a hat trick. I'm going to go on record. I'm going to go on record and say that I wouldn't be surprised if she's there or thereabouts with a goal boot this year because I have a feeling she's going to score a bucket of goals this year. Look, a lot of different scores. Some young Eve Kennedy getting getting on the score sheet as well from a Tommy Ewell point of view. It's a perfect response two wins from two after after the back of the opening day defeat and you know you're sort of ro- you're rolling on and being like happy days move on to the next one and it's it's one of them for Atlone that they look they look forward to traveling to to DLR this weekend because they're in high form since since that one that that three one lost to Piedmont. Yeah, final game of the weekend, and of course as well, uh, when I was out in, on Sunday or Saturday evening, complete clash with the. Uh, with the rugby, which seems crazy. Um, there was, like, to say there was a small crowd in the showgrounds would be to do small crowds um, a disservice. They, I think the official attendance came in somewhere just over 200. I think they counted every single person, including the guy taking the tickets, because it was, it looked way less than that. And they've had really good crowds in the showgrounds um, in the early exchanges of the season. And it was just, it was a poor day weather-wise. It was a poor day football-wise. Uh, it was an even worse day attendance wise. Two seventy four. They said the official attendance. Was. I'd, I'd be surprised if it was half that. I'm, and uh, and that's been honest about it. I just we did a quick head count and we joked when they took when the the PA guy asked for the official t- attendance and the guy said he'd go and get it. And the PA guy and I quote asked him if he was going to do a head count himself one by one. Um, it it was not a a big crowd there by any means imagination and. Everyone was just focused on the rugby, and that's what's your what's your what's your opinion on that though, Brefney? Because I think I think I don't think ourselves we shoot ourselves in the foot to be putting the putting the fixture up against one of the biggest sporting highlights or sporting fixtures of the year in the country. Uh, even if you had no interest in rugby or no interest in anything, and you're from either Sligo or Piedmont jurisdictions or families, you probably still had an ear on the rugby. I'm not going to lie; the rugby was on in the press box. I was the only working journalist at the game. 
and that's and that speaks volumes. None of the local media uh, represented Ocean. Technically, one of their lads was doing the commentary on um, on thing, and he, he like that should have that should have been probably a twelve o'clock a twelve o'clock kickoff. He went back up the road. 100%. And, and it would have had probably double or treble the numbers of, of people at the game. Um, it was it was just unfortunate. I think it's a it's not, no reflection on either club. It's just a poor reflection on, on the fixtures committee of the league. And I think even other teams have changed fixtures around to suit rugby fixtures or suit other things. I think at some stage in the last two weeks when, when it was becoming more and more obvious that that game was going to be so big for Ireland and England in, in the Aviva, a Grand Slam decider... Uh, there would have been literally no impact on anybody if they'd moved that to one o'clock or two o'clock in the day and everybody would have been done and dusted and everyone would have been happy and they would have doubled the attendance. These clubs will rely on that money uh, at the gate for attendances, more so in the women's league than the men even. And if you're going to say you're going to turn down two or 300 people who are paying a five or a tenner at the gate, that could be the players' expenses for the game, for the week. Mm. And we just have to think cleverer. Um, we can't be putting ourselves up against men's matches or even big high profile sport events. It's just it's just it's absolute lunacy. I don't know whether one team or the other may have objected to that. Um because obviously they need everyone's buy-in, but it just made no sense. On the pitch, the first hour was absolutely atrocious to watch. And uh, it was barely a, an attempt uh, of, of any kind of real quality. Um Sligo did threaten once or twice, had a couple of chances, half chances really, and um, neither keeper unduly bothered really in the first 55 minutes. But once Piemont kind of stopped playing Sligo's game, um, then they flicked the switch, two goals in two minutes, just before the arrow mark, and it was game over. Um, and and they got four, four scores from four different places as well. Ava Brearley wrapped it up in, in at the end. Kate Mooney, with her last touch of uh, her, she locked the keeper from the edge of the box. And it was just a, a, a really, really good game to watch for the last half hour. But the first 60 minutes, probably forget about it. But it was just a depressing day overall. Did you get to see any of the Shells game yourself? I saw the first goal in real time and then I had to move to leave to go to the game and kind of watch bits of it back. I'm very impressed with Jamie Thompson. Very impressed with uh, with Shamrock Rovers in general. Shells have not been as badly affected. Not, neither have Piedmont, to be fair, with the players who've gone to Shamrock Rovers as most of us would have thought they would be. Uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, challenge for the next couple of weeks to see how teams fare out in the opening round of games. But it's a bit more of a sprint this year, 20 games versus 27 last year. And I think there's going to be three or four teams right there battling to the death. I think we'll see Wexford uh, and those three sides, Piedmont, Shamrock Rovers and Shelburne. And you talked about the, the rivalry on that game on Saturday. I think we're going to see that when those four teams meet each other this season, I think they're going to be absolute humdingers. Oh, I, I agree with you. And I, I think from, from, a, from a Saturday point of viewpoint, I just think from the first whistle, it was just as if you could see Abby Larkin, there was a couple of hefty challenges put in on Abby throughout the game. You could see that the Shells players were, were well up for like, even when I looked at the players coming out throughout the tunnel, tunnel even going for the warm-up, you could see some players on, on on some of the sides were a bit nervous. They knew it was a big game and you could see some of the others, the likes of Jesse Stapleton, she's only 18. Cool as a cucumber throughout the entire team, saying hello to people, even walking out. And for her, it's, it's a technically it's a third goal of the season. She's still claiming until until anybody says anything else, she's claiming that goal until the FAI change it because the FAI have it down as her. So she's claiming that goal in both. So I, like, I'd, I'd be claiming it too. It definitely came off her. But even <laughs> even her goal though, it was a lovely header. You know, she got herself a little half a yard of space, and it was a brilliant header. I think Amanda Budden was put under so much pressure. She must have got 
everything thrown at her in terms of there was even fans calling, or should I say, it's Emma Emma Budden, according to uh, one of our one of our TDs who had the when they are some of the women's national league players were in when the doll the other day. For me, silliest. I don't like that. Um, for, you can't put that on social media if you're if you're a, if you're a TD put, calling a player by the wrong name. I think Chris Andrews, especially being at women's national league games previously, and I know he's from the Rings End area, so would be a fan of the likes of Abby Larkin and something like that. You just can't have that. I think that's the sort of things that you know we're, we're up against when it comes to so-called professional league, small little things like that. But I, I really, really, really enjoyed the game Saturday, and it was the first time in a long time where I've probably said, wow, I walked away. It's one of the best games I've watched in a long, long time. I think TG Carragher got full value for their money, and it was it was just an enthralling game. But like just as I, as I said before, I'm going to the fixtures without the, the court game being off at the weekend. Wexford didn't play last weekend. So that means Wexford, have, Wexford haven't played since the second week of the season. They're off this weekend again now. They go into the Shamrock Rovers game next Wednesday with a with a with a really, really long break now. It's it's two and a half weeks between between games. That's gonna be very, very interesting. I also had a chat with um, Savannah McCarthy on Saturday. Savannah is was telling me that she's very, very close to being back in the Shamrock Rovers side. She said that potentially after the Wexford game, she could potentially be in and around the bench. So she's another that's another top class player. The international break is coming as well, don't forget. So that's going to give a bit of a, a break and play where give Savannah the opportunity to get a bit more fitness. And that'll be another one that'll come into Rovers and could do really well for them this year. Yeah, interesting to see how that pans out over the next couple of days. I actually was looking for that tweet that you mentioned. But it was actually a, it was on Instagram post. post. Instagram, yeah. But uh, funny enough, that particular uh, TD follows us on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Anyway, let's make a look at the fixture or the results of the weekend. Galway United nil, Bowes won in AMDC Park last Saturday afternoon. Shell Shamrock Rovers one all draw. We've talked about that this evening already. DLR Waves, Cork City 3 0 to the Dublin side, while Athlone had a big win in the Markets Field and P Mount were victors comfortably in the end against Sligo Rovers. The table looks something along the lines of this P Mount, top of the league on nine points after three games. The only side, um, at, well, the three games won so far. Wexford, of course, still do have a 100% record. Only two games played there. Shells and Shamrock Rovers after their draw, both on seven points. That's how I think the top four are going to uh, stay. I think Bose might have a bit of a say on that, but whether they can break into that or not remains to be seen. They'll probably now uh, offer me up some nice humble pie over the next couple of weeks. I'm well used to tasting that on this show. Uh, Athlone, um, maybe a little bit back from last year, they have a game in hand on the leaders as well, so they'll probably have a a case to answer on that front as well. DLR Waves, Galway United, uh, Sligo Rovers, Cork and Treaty uh, all still uh, with no points on the board after three games. Of course, Sligo and Treaty face each other this weekend. So one of them will at least change that, if not both. Uh, take a look at the clean sheets so far. Courtney Maguire and Neavery Burke with two each. Uh, Rachel Kelly, Amanda Budden, Abigail Ronayne and Maeve Williams and Kira Glacken uh, making up the one clean sheet club uh, so far in the league, very, very early days so far. But we did see last year that uh, the players at the top of the of this particular chart tended to kind of stay more or less there as the season progresses. Question for you on that, on that this year. Last year we seen Amanda Budden run away with it. Okay. What do you think this year? Because I don't, I can't see 20 games. I can't see any team probably keeping more than 10, 11 clean sheets max. Well, they've won it with less. They've won it with that number in the twenty-seven game season. So it's going to be an interesting year. Or I think even, even less than that. 
I think the top four teams are top five, even six teams. Bose, Athlone maybe in there as well. I think they all have the potential to score goals against each other. And that will probably reduce the clean sheets. I reckon if anyone gets to double figures, they'll probably get the Golden Gloves Award at the end of the season. Uh, is Amanda Budden's defence in front of her solid enough? I think it is maybe at centre-back. Uh, I think there are weaknesses there. Um, I saw the first day against... Fullbacks, I think. I think the fullbacks are a bit of a problem for, for Shamrock Rovers in the minute. Well, conceding against Sligo, um, no disrespect to Sligo, but conceding against Sligo, albeit from a deflected free kick, um, it's they, they, they coughed up chances. And if teams are getting chances, they will score goals. And it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Talking about goal scoring, uh, this is the goal scoring list at the moment. Jesse Stapleton, top of the list. Uh, she's up there with Madison Gibson, Jamie Thompson, uh, both all three of those with three players. Of course, Maddie Gibson has done it in two games uh, versus the other two players. Onya Gorman, Megan Smith-Lynch, Becky Watkins, Kate Mooney, Kayla Hamrick, apologies if I butchered your pronunciation, and Chloe Singleton, uh, all with two strikes so far this season. But uh, I think particularly for the Athlone girls, okay, they did have a big scoring game down in Treaty at the weekend, but two of them on the list with just two games is... is Fairly impressive. Yeah, I as you say, I expect them to score a lot of goals against against the top teams this year, and I think that's going to happen across the board. So we, we will see a tighter goal and boot race this year, but I, I, I suspect we may see a couple of different names that we probably haven't seen in previous seasons appear on it this year. And I think, like you look at <clears throat> Carl McManus from Piedmont, big season expected of Carla. I know Kate Mooney got a, got a bit of a knock in the universities game yesterday, so if she's not too bad you would expect her to score quite a few for p-mount as well and i think from a, from another other clubs like the shells girl the shells girls I, I as much as i love jesse i think she's a she's a great human being and a great person i can't see her staying up there she's with the defense so she'll just be happy to sit there at the moment and i think it'll be one that'll be tightly contested i don't i don't see it where we're going to see the, the golden boot winner coming from scoring buckets against the the smaller teams this, necessarily this year. I think we you we, say we, that, but we have seen that in recent years. Where the girls at the top of the goal scoring charts have scored hat tricks or four even against some of the smaller sides. Yeah, but back league. but back in the day, say if Atlone be back a year ago or two years, if Atlone be three eight nil, you probably expect Emily Corbett to got five or six of them. Whereas now you're seeing a lot more actual players chipping in. That's why I'm saying yes, we might unfortunately we might still see some of them scoring, but I think we'll see more more individuals popping up with goals rather than just one person scoring the handful for them all the time. Let's look at the fixture list for the weekend. Of course, one game already uh, fell foul of, I'm going to say the weather, but the Munster FA have asked for the game to be moved and it's been pushed back to May. Uh, Cork versus Wexford, that now uh, 27th of May, the game that was due to be played on that date has been pulled forward a couple of days. I think they play on the 17th. So uh, only four games go to um, the, the referee's whistle this Saturday afternoon. And the kind of staggered start through the afternoon, two o'clock, Shells and Galway in Taco Park. One hour later, just down the road in Daly Mount, Piedmont are the visitors to Bohemians. And I think that will be an absolute cracker of a game. There's a couple of girls who will know each other very, very well there as well. Dealer Waves host Athlone Town at 4 p.m. in Belfield. While Sligo Rovers obviously do not play Sligo Rovers on, <laughs> on the showgrounds, uh, they play 3D9. That's on me. Uh, that game is also not at 7:45. I got distracted by yourself and Billy as we were preparing for the show. Uh, that's a five o'clock uh, kickoff in the showgrounds, and 3D United, as I mentioned earlier, uh, are the uh, visitors to the showgrounds on Saturday evening. Both sides pointless on the league table so far, so they'll be looking to get their particular seasons up and running this week. Um, in terms of that, the right fixture should be at the bottom of the screen now. Uh, your thoughts on maybe uh, where you're likely to be? Will it be Talca? Will it be Bose? Uh, you won't get to a game at all. 
No, I won't. The day, unfortunately, the day job is calling this weekend. I will be watching, probably will watch, I'd say, the Daily Mount game, but the Bows and Piedmont game. I wouldn't mind my little sisters. My little sisters already making little plans with their friends to go to the Shells game. And I'm sort of like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm actually jealous because I, I would prefer to be at a, at a league game. But I'll watch that and then I'll probably watch the Treaty and Slo- the Sligo and Treaty game on Saturday. I'll flick between the others just to see what's going on. But I think that the the deal or the Bowes game is probably the the best game best game of the weekend. I'd, I'd expect home wins from from Shells uh, at long probably to be to win that to, to win that one. Then in the other game, you probably suspect that um, Sligo should be Sligo should be treaty, and then the Bowes one. If P-Mount score early, they could they could score a couple against them. But I think it could be a tight game where it could be just a goal in it. Last year we saw Sligo struggle to beat Trinity. They seem to be better against the bigger teams, just lift that game for them and then struggle to break Trinity down at times. So that would be an interesting game from a personal point of view. Uh, I'd, I'd be quite interested to see that game. I think, to be honest, it's a big weekend for Bowes and it's a big weekend for DLR. Home team games against teams that are just that bit ahead of them, maybe in the in the, the ability stage. And it's a chance for them to put their hand up and say, I suppose, slap mine back a little bit and go, no, we are here to be in the top four. Um, if they don't win those games, I think they will be outside the top four this year or at least threaten to be outside the top four this year. So I think it's big weekends for those two clubs in particular. Athlone Piedmont will win as favourites, but marginally. Um, and as I, as you said, I expect Shells uh, to, to beat Galway United reasonably comfortably. And again, humble pie tastes gorgeous. I really hope I get some for next week because I do love a surprise in this league. And we've had plenty of them over the last couple of years. Um, Aaron, I suppose I'm also, unfortunately, on the missing list this week. I have family commitments. I won't be at a game live, but I will be catching up with them uh, later in the day. Um, I suppose that's really it. Thanks so much to Billy Cleary. Just, uh, just a heads up, though, for, for listeners. Um, we haven't made arrangements for next week yet, just because there is a around the league games Wednesday. So keep an eye on Final Whistle social media to see when we'll be out. We may either be out before the, before the games or after next week's games. We may even do two shows next week. Who knows? Things have not been decided yet, but we will keep you up to date and uh, we'll be back to chat to you at some stage next week. It definitely won't be Wednesday, more than likely Tuesday or Thursday around the fixtures next week. But uh, to everyone for joining us, for listening to Billy, uh, obviously manager of the successful InterVarsity Champions, the University of Galway. Thank you so much for making yourself available to chat to us. Um, Huge insight. We will have him on again because, as we said, his experience in the league, he just knows... And he's not afraid to call call BS BS either, which is, is important within the league. You can't all be yes men uh, and just say everything's great when we all kind of know uh, it's not bad, but it could be a lot better across the entire league. Uh, let us know where you're going to be on socials over the next couple of days, and we'd love to uh, keep in touch with you in chat. We love hearing from you as the weeks go by, and we'll be back next week with another show. Talk to you then.